Hi guys, welcome back to Freeman Sports Pod. Today is episode 9. In today's podcast, I will be talking about the James Harden trade. That's it NBA-wise. And then I'm going to be breaking down all four NFL divisional games coming up this weekend and uh, basically giving my prediction for the score and then explaining why I think each team could win the game. Uh, So first, we're going to start with the NBA and the James Harden trade. So from the Nets perspective, this is why I like it, and I'm going to explain why I hate it and why I think they did it. I'm going to do this for all four teams that were involved in the trade. And the four teams that were involved were the Brooklyn Nets, Houston Rockets, Indiana Pacers, and Cleveland Cavaliers. So for the Nets, I like it because it kind of shows straight up that you've made the decision as a franchise that we want to, for at least these next two years, go all out for a ring. You have a great big three now. Obviously, the best. if it works out, you have the best, obviously, big three in the league. Even though you don't necessarily have a great bench, you still on paper would have the best team in the league and would be the favorites. Now, that's a big if because, number one, obviously Kyrie Irving is nowhere to be seen. He was found at a party, uh, so he's been getting fined for missing games and violating protocol, but we don't know if he'll be back or when. And you've got James Harden, who's been a very difficult person to be teammates with. He's clashed with every superstar that he's been with in his time in Houston, and obviously we don't know how him and Kyrie will work out. I'm not worried about KD and James Harden because KD has been fine working with other superstars, so I think they'll work well together. It's more so the concern for me is all three of them on the court and more particularly Harden and Kyrie. I don't know how the two of them are going to work out together. Um, But so, yeah, I like it because it makes you an instant championship threat. It gives you the chance to get those rings, and it's aggressive. And I don't think this is anything like that time when they traded for aging Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. This was actually two guys that aren't out of their prime, that are still stars in the league, that are matched, or three guys, rather, that are matched up together. And that's why I don't hate this nearly as much as that last one where they traded their future away for two aging stars. Um, so why I hate it? The reason I hate it is because obviously they've given up their whole future now. I mean, they traded four first round picks, I believe three or four. They also have three or four pick swaps. So basically through 2027, the Rockets own their picks or the better of the two teams picks. So if things don't work out or like whether they win a title or not, or if the, or if one of them ends up like Harden or Kyrie decides that they want to be traded or they want to leave, or if KD decides that he doesn't like, and he wants to leave, then this was all for nothing. And you just traded away your future to not have any success. So they definitely have to win at least one, maybe two rings to make, I mean, actually just one realistically to make this worth doing. But that's a big if. It's not a guarantee. The chemistry has to work out. They're going to be a great team offensively, but if they can all move the ball defensively, they're going to be horrible. So that's going to be tough to consider is that some of these past big threes had some defensive ability. Like that Warriors team had Draymond Green for the defense and Clay Thompson. The Miami Heat big three, I mean, all three of them could play defense and LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. But Durant's a solid defender, but... If you have him going against some of the bigger, stronger guys like Giannis or something, I don't know how he'll fare because he's obviously a stick. And then Harden and Kyrie are obviously both terrible defenders, so that's not going to do you good if you have to go against elite guards in the East. Uh, so now why I think they did it, again, I kind of already hinted at this for like the why I like it part. It was because they're, they're, they're going championship or bust. Not only for the season, they obviously can go for next season too, but they're eventually, eventually saying for these upcoming years that they're gonna, they want to send it and just do whatever they can to try to get a ring. Uh, so the next team is the Rockets. So why I like this trade for the Rockets? I like it for the Rockets because, I mean, you had to get rid of Harden anyway. He, he w- didn't want to stay there. Even if you kept him, your team wasn't going to be any sort of serious threat. Maybe a playoff team that loses in round one or round two at best. You also save a ton of money now that this has been done. So either an upcoming free agency you can make moves, or if you just want to head in a completely young team rebuild direction, you'll have a bunch of salary that you can just build up over the years and then make moves once your team's ready to contend again. 
I also like it because, again, you're getting a bunch of picks. And as a team that already traded away a bunch of picks trying to please Harden and like the trades to get uh, Chris Paul, they traded a lot of young players and picks. Then to get Westbrook, they traded a bunch of uh, picks. So obviously they needed to get picks back from all the mistakes they made in the past, mainly the Westbrook trade, to be honest with you. Um, so now they get some compensation from their past mistakes and have some draft picks for the future to build around a young team. Um, why I don't like it, mainly it's not even about the part with the Nets. I mean, you couldn't really get much. I, the guy I would have liked to see him get is Dinwiddie, but he's hurt. You got Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, which is what I wanted them to get. But then that's my issue. My issue, it really stems from their owner because he's, I mean, there's no other way to put it that he's a cheapskate because he flat out decided, no, I don't want Jared Allen because even though he's not making much, it would still push them close to the luxury tax. So he wanted to make sure at all costs to stay under it. So they redirected him and got nothing for him. They just sent him over to Cleveland. So I hated that. And then I also did not like them trading Karis LeVert. Now, I understand, again, for like a why they did it. It was because... Aladipo's on a one-year deal, so then if he, if you just decide to let him walk at the end of the year, you now have a ton of money in free agency. You're way below the luxury tax, and your cheapskate owner can keep his money. But why I hate it is because Lavert was the key part of the trade. He's younger than Aladipo. He's on a much more reasonable contract than Aladipo would want if you want to bring him back. And he's, I mean, while he had had, while he has had his injury issues, he still managed to come back and get better. Versus Aladipo, while he's been off to a decent start, it is early in the year, and he still hasn't convinced me yet that he's the player that he was that was an All Star before he got hurt. So I hate the trade because you missed out on the two key pieces of the trade in terms of why I would even consider training with the Nets or with the 76ers, which were Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. Now the next team is the Indiana Pacers. So why I like the trade. You're a small market team. Oladipo didn't seem too happy, so he might have left anyway. So you got a younger guy in LeVert again on a three-year deal, reasonable contract, that can do what Oladipo can do better, in my opinion, on offense. While he doesn't necessarily do the same thing on defense, he also doesn't need the ball in his hands as much as Oladipo, which I think is good because the Pacers seem to be going in a direction where they want to make their main centerpiece, DeMontis Sabonis, and run the offense through him, and I think LeVert would do well with that. Now, LeVert is going to have to improve on his three-point shooting, in my opinion, to make it truly work, and he is obviously going to have to improve as a defender to try to make up for what they're losing in Oladipo, but I think he's capable of that as long as he can stay healthy. Um, again, I like it for the Pacers because you're getting younger. Um, again, you had a, star, a former All-Star who wasn't too happy there, and I don't know if they would have been able to bring him back. There were rumors that he would have wanted to leave for the Heat. Uh, why I don't like it, though? You had good chemistry. You were off to a good season. Again, Oladipo was looking good. Maybe he does come into form, and maybe whether he wants to go to the Heat or not, maybe they're not willing to spend the money on him because of his injury past, and they don't want to take the chance, and he would have been forced to have to come back to Indiana. Or maybe if you guys go on to have a great season with him and he has a great year, maybe the relationship can be repaired, and he decides, you know what, I want to stay in Indiana. And then why I think they did it again, I think it's because small market team, He's on the last year of his deal. He's getting older. He didn't seem too happy wanting to be there. And again, you can get a younger guy on a better contract that you can guarantee at least for yourself to keep for the next three years. So now for the Cavs. I don't really have a why I hate it for them. I just really like this trade for them. So why I like, I mean, why they did it for them, obviously it's easy. You're getting rid of a Bucks first round pick that doesn't matter much. And you're getting rid of Dante Exum and I don't even know the name of the other guy, to be honest with you, that aren't going to be anything special and you get Jared Allen who's and Torian Prince Torian Prince is he's in his mid-20s but he's a solid defender he's on a reasonable contract so he's a nice guy to have on your rotation and then Jared Allen is a young center who you could end up keeping for the future and the main reason I really like that in particular is because if you want to trade away an Andre Drummond or Kevin Love who's getting older doesn't really fit your time frame well DeAndre I mean 
Kevin Love's getting older. Andre Drummond's not getting older, but he's on a massive contract. And you don't really want to set on that big of a contract for a team that's not ready to contend yet. So if you want to move one of them at the trade deadline or in the offseason, you now have center to replace them. And I know they already have JaVale McGee, but JaVale McGee's also not going to be a long-term guy for them. I like JaVale, like, not just like, he used to just be for the jokes, but now he's actually a decent center. But he is also getting older. He's on a bigger, not a big contract, but for the fact that he's more of a backup center, it's a pretty expensive contract. And Jared Allen could become their center of the future. So that's why I like the trade for them. Um, so that's all I'm really going to talk about NBA-wise. Um, and real quick before I get into NFL, uh, I just want to talk about this real quick. I talked with some people when I was getting feedback for my episodes, and the main thing I really got from people is some wanted it like where they would only listen to the NBA part or some of them would only want to listen to the NFL part. So um, my plan for the future is I'm going to have some basic Freeman Sports Pod episodes where I'm just going to talk about everything in sports, and then I'm going to label specific episodes if I'm just going to talk football or just talk basketball, so that way, like, people who are more interested in those different, like, who are more part of the football audience versus NBA audience don't have to skip around. It'll be an episode just dedicated to what they're interested in. And then the other thing is I'm planning, once the NFL season ends, to start having people join me on the podcast. If you'd like to, please let me know, where I will basically be breaking down with them, talking about if they're a fan of a particular team, talking about, I don't know, what they think about the team's future, the offseason, what they'd like to see them do, and just... I don't know, I feel like it'd be, it's time to get a guest on the show, so I'd like to do that. And then I'm also open to doing that for the NBA. It's going to be a little more complicated because it'll always be going on during the season, so it won't be like an off-season thing. It'll more just be talking about the team during the season, what they think about them and what they want them to do for the future. But so, yeah, let me know if you guys like that idea and who you'd like to see me talk to or if you're someone that you'd like to go on to talk with and let me know what team you want to talk about. But uh, back to the podcast. So the first game I'm going to talk about, I'm just going to go in order of when the games take place is the Rams versus Packers. And so now for each of these four games, I'm basically just going to be saying which team I think is going to win, and then I'm going to break down the why or how each team could win. So for the Rams versus Packers game, I think the Rams could upset the Packers, but the prediction I'm going to go with is 27-20 Packers. So now why the Packers will win. So the reason the Packers will win is because they have the much better quarterback and consistent quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. They have Devontae Adams, who's very tough to stop. They have a solid pass defense and a middle-of-the-pack run defense, but a run defense has been able to hold up. And I don't know how well golf and an L.A. team will be able to, that's in an indoor stadium is going to be able to play in the cold weather in Labo Field in Green Bay. Um, I also think the Packers, I just think they're the more talented team on paper. They're the healthier team, even though they are down their left tackle. The Rams obviously have Goff, who's still playing injured. You have Cooper Cup, who's hurting as a game-time decision. You have Aaron Donald, who's hurt. And again, the Packers on paper are the more talented team. They've been the more consistent and well-rounded team this year. And I just think that you could argue that, that with that veteran QB presence and the more consistent offense and a decent enough defense that they should be expected to win. Uh, and that's obviously why my prediction I have them winning. Now, why the Rams will win? There's only one way I see the Rams winning this game, and that's that they're going to have to play stout defense. Jalen Ramsey's going to have to clamp up Devontae Adams. They're going to have to get some pressure with Aaron Donald, who also is banged up on Aaron Rodgers, to force him to get rid of the ball quickly so that he can't hit him on deep balls. And they're going to have to dominate with their run game. Because Jared Goff's hurt, but even if he's not, he's, he hasn't been good. Again, Cooper Cup might be out, so if he is, you're limited in your receiving corps outside of really Robert Woods, in my opinion. And then also, I mean, they've, the way they've been winning is by run, having possession and defense and using their run game. And like I said, the Packers' weakness is their run defense. So Cam Makers is going to have to have a great game. He's going to have to dominate. They're going to have to play very physical, 
smash mouth football and just running up their peckers throat. That's how they're going to have to win the game. And again, the reason why I see that possible is again, even though you would think this would hurt the Rams with it being a more cold weather Green Bay Lambeau field like type game that could benefit a team that wants to just slow the game down, run the clock out, run the football and just keep trying to push the ball up the field slowly on long methodical drives. And then again, a defense that can just get pressure and hold up. If the Rams win, it's going to have to be in a low scoring game. I don't think 27, 20 in particular is a super high scoring game, but I mean, if I think if the, I feel like if the Packers are scoring like 24, 23 or more, they're probably going to win because I just don't see the Rams being able to put up that many points. Like, I know people would argue, oh, they put up 30 against Seattle. Yeah, but they had a pick six and they got some turnovers in that game that gave them easy field position. And I don't think the Packers are as turnover prone as the Seahawks are. I mean, Rodgers only threw like five interceptions, I believe. And they also have a better line, so Rodgers should have more time to get rid of the ball in case he has to rather than throw an interception. Obviously, uh, so yeah, that's my breakdown for that game. So the next game is the Ravens versus the Bills. So my prediction is the Bills winning 27-24. to 24. So why the Bills will win? For me, it's pretty simple. Even though the Ravens' strength is their pass defense, I think it's just going to have to be from Stephon Diggs and Josh Allen having an amazing game and their passing game just being too, too, I don't know, too difficult to stop and just, I don't know, I guess in a way that just the Ravens can't keep up with them back on off- offensively because... The Ravens obviously are more of a run-the-ball team. They're not a great – I mean, I know they came back against the Titans, but you could argue part of it was just bad coaching by uh, Mike Vrabel. But the Ravens are not a good team when it comes to having to come back from behind. So if you can get ahead early, which I think is what will happen, is that the Bills will be able to drive down the field quickly and get a, a touchdown base mainly around their passing game, that it will put the uh, Ravens in a tough position where they're going to have to keep fighting from behind, and I don't think they can do that. I really don't. I think that's why the Bills will end up winning the game defensively, you got to have a good run defense. Their pass defense, in my opinion, is big and the bigger concern, which is kind of a good thing because the run defense is what they're going to need to win the game. And I think that's how they will win the game. I don't think it'll be necessarily a high or low scoring game. I think it'll just kind of be average. At least to me, 27-24 isn't anything particular high scoring or low scoring. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to come down to Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and then can that run defense hold up? And I think that's why they'll win. Uh, I also just think from the Ravens' perspective, again, is you, can you keep up with this Bills team if it becomes a shootout? I don't think it will become high, like too high scoring, but if it does, can they keep up with it? Because that means Lamar's going to have to have a great game passing-wise, not just running around-wise, but he will. they will have to mix in some runs with him. They will have to make sure Dobbins has a great game. I think another key thing for the Bills would be, though, if they want to win, is they, they are going to have to develop some sort of run game. I know Zach Moss is hurt, but Devin Singletary is a solid running back, and so you're going to have to get him going if you want any chance to... Uh, win the game because you can't be one-dimensional. That Ravens defense is good enough where if you're just passing, they're going to be able to stop you. So now why the Ravens will win? Again, kind of similar to with the Rams. They're going to have to have a great run game. They're going to have to chew that clock and try to keep it more on the low-scoring end because the Bills would prefer the game to be a shootout. Lamar Jackson's going to have to be very good. He's not just going to be able to just run around. He's going to also have to be able to make some good throws. Uh, the run game, Dobbins is going to have to great, have a great game. Mark Ingram is a healthy scratch for salary cap reasons, so I mean it's basically just going to be Dobbins out there. He's going to have to play great. Obviously, their O line is going to have to win the battle in the trenches and really dominate the line of scrimmage if they're going to want to win this game. And I think it's possible, so that's why I have it as a close scoring game. I could see the Ravens winning, but ultimately I'm going with the Bills. I just think less has to go specifically right for the Bills to win than for the Ravens. Uh, the next game, I think this is. By no means, none of these games are a lock. It's the NFL playoffs. Anything could happen. But I think this is the easiest game to predict and the biggest margin I have on my predictions. 
and it's the Chiefs winning 34-24. to So why the Chiefs will win, it's pretty simple. Their defense this year has been solid enough that I think they can stop Baker Mayfield in the passing game and force them to only be able to run the ball. And then while the run defense is, I think, their weaker spot, they're just going to have to be able to hold up, and I think they can. But more importantly, I don't think you can beat the Chiefs with a run-style team. You have to be able to keep up with them in a shootout unless your defense is locked down, and I don't think the Browns' defense is good enough to be locked down. I think Pat Mahomes is obviously going to go off per usual. I think they have too many weapons in Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, McCole Hartman. You've obviously heard this plenty of times over and over again from NFL analysts. They've, just, they've got too many weapons. It's hard to stop, and I think they're right. I think the Chiefs are very difficult team to stop. They're obviously the defending champs. They're the favorites to win it all. Uh, I expect them to win it all. I hope they don't, but I expect them to. And I don't think the Browns are going to be a serious enough threat to stop them. Now, again, this is kind of a recurring theme. You heard of this with the Ravens. You heard of this with the Rams. And for the last game, it's not going to be why the, I think the uh, team I have losing would win, but it's a common recurrence. That's just these team styles. The only way I see the Browns winning this game is, again, their defense is going to have to step up. It's going to have to be long, methodical drives around the run game. They're going to have to try to keep the Chiefs' offense off the field as long as possible. And Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are going to have to straight-up dominate, and Baker's going to have to play well. I know Baker looked good against the Steelers, but he got some huge benefits from his defense stepping up to give him an early 28-0 lead. And I mean, they didn't almost blow the game, but it did get cut to 12 at one point, and then the Steelers made the dumb decision to punt on fourth and one. So obviously, the it wasn't as dominant of a performance offensively as the scoreboard might have indicated. And more specifically, like their passing play, it was a screenplay to Nick Chubb that put the game away. But that's not Baker making a great play. That's more so Nick Chubb. I know Baker had like one good pass play to Jarvis Landry that I could think of in particular. But outside of that, he didn't do much passing. And he didn't play bad again, but he's going to have to have a great passing game, I think, as well for them to win. Because if they're too one-dimensional, like I said, with the Ravens being one-dimensional, then eventually the Chiefs will just be selling out on the run most of the game, basically be daring them to beat him with the pass. And again, I don't think that happened. I think a lot needs to go right for the Browns. I think the Chiefs are the obvious pick, but I think the Chiefs are also the right pick. Chiefs 34-24. Now the last game. This game obviously makes me really nervous. Again, if I'm just going to be very petty, if you just look at the excuses where I can make this, you got Tom Brady versus the Saints, refs in the playoffs. Saints obviously don't have the best history uh, with refs in the playoffs. And obviously Tom Brady, you know, oh, the refs are good friends with them. They like hanging out. They like uh, making sure it's not 11 on 11. They have a few extra guys in uh, the black and white stripes out there to make sure to look out for them. You know, obviously the questionable roughing the passers he gets, some PIs, for his team, some PIs that aren't called against his team. You know, they, I remember against the uh, Washington football team, there's a clip I saw where they had an ineligible man downfield. And if you don't know what that is, it's where the O-lineman goes too, uh, too far upfield than they're allowed to. And they're supposed to, I believe, right around the line of scrimmage. And this man ran all the way up to where the first down was to try to get ready to set up a block, which obviously is ineligible and they didn't call it. And there were a few missed PIs against the Washington football team, but that's besides the point. My prediction for this game, it's a little biased, but I also think it's pretty realistic. I have the Saints winning 27-23. to now, why the Saints will win? You could argue that the Saints have played their best games this season and have matched up better against any other team is the, is the Buccaneers. They obviously beat them early in the season, uh, but then I guess you could argue, okay, it's week one, it's, it's pretty early. But then they played the Bucs later on in the season, like midway through the season, I believe. And this was at Tampa Bay. They did get some fans. Everybody was hyping up the Buccaneers. All the analysts had the Buccaneers winning when they were talking about it throughout the week. They were really saying that this, a lot of people believe this was the game where the Bucs were not only just going to beat the Saints, they're going to beat them pretty well. And this was going to be the game where the Buccaneers kind of say, your reign is over. This is our division. We're running with the division. We're running away with the division from this point on. And you guys could still make the playoffs, but the division's ours. 
And that's not what happened at all. The Saints went in. They dominated them. The best game I've ever seen them play this season by far. They won 38-3. to They had Tom Brady's number. The offense was flowing the whole game. They had no issues. I mean, like I said, was the, with the way the Saints looked in that game, I would take them over any team, including the Chiefs in the NFL, 10 times out of 10. That team would not lose. Their defense was dominant, like I said, from start to finish. Their offense, which it's not that it's crazy, it's kind of expected, was dominant start to finish. And in all aspects of the game, they won the game. Now, how the Saints obviously are going to win. This is for both teams, the Saints and the Buccaneers. It's not going to be through the run game. The Saints and Buccaneers, in my opinion, have the two best run defenses in the NFL. So it's going to come down to the pass game and pass defense. That's what it's going to really come down to because that's the strength and, I mean, that's the weakness for both the Saints and Buccaneers, really. If you, if you had to pick something, it would be on defense. It's their pass defense. 100% it's the pass defense. Now, again, why the Saints will win their pass rush, with, especially now that hey, Trey Hendrickson is healthy and he's back, got right to Tom Brady. They have another injury. I believe it's, I think last one was their left guard. This time it's their right guard. Is most I think he's most likely out against the Saints, which would be huge for them getting to Tom Brady because Tom Brady doesn't do so well against the Blitz and the pass rush. He struggled. That's how he threw his interceptions against the Saints was when they got the heat to him. Trey Hendrickson's going to have to go off again because he had Tom Brady's number last time, got right to him. I believe he had like two or three sacks and a forced fumble. So if he can do that again and the Saints pass rush can be disruptive, that's huge while the defense win. Offensively, got to have a good game plan. If you can get Kamara going in the run game, great. But if not, you still got to get him going in the pass game with the screens and the passes right around the, the sticks. You got to get Michael Thomas going. Obviously, there's going to be jokes about this, but you do need to get him on some slants. You got to get him on some out routes. Got to get him on some plays down the field to stretch the ball. Manuel Sanders got to take advantage of his speed against that shaky Buccaneers secondary. Jared Cook got to get him involved as your red zone target. That's how they're going to have to win. And then again, defense is mainly going to be about the pass rush and then the secondary not committing too many penalties and being disciplined. Now for the Buccaneers, while they will win. I would say shutting down Camaro, but again, it's kind of expected. That's what has happened in both matchups, even in the 38-3 win in the run game, and they still didn't win. So that's not going to be the main focus, but you can't let that lack up. It's really going to come down to can your O-line hold up for Tom Brady and can your wide receivers torch the Saints secondary? And the one in particular I'm pointing to is going to be Antonio Brown. Because Mike Evans is going up against Marshawn Lattimore. And for anyone who doesn't know, essentially Marshawn Lattimore is Mike Evans' dad. He makes him cry. He, he basically just shuts him down all game. He tries to get penalties called. He never gets any because there's none to be called. And he ends up putting up a big goose egg and does nothing. So he's probably going to be neutralized by Marshawn Lattimore. And that's not biased. That's just based on statistics. If you don't believe me, go look it up. Then, obviously, you've got Chris Godwin. I mean, you already kind of know what you're going to get with him. I don't think he'll do anything in particularly different than what we've seen in the first two matchups. I think Grant could be a decent target, but Demario Davis is a great linebacker. I think he can neutralize, not necessarily neutralize, but shut him down pretty well. But the X factor is going to be Antonio Brown. When he played the Saints, it was his first game, new to the playbook, didn't take a lot of snaps, didn't have much chemistry with Tom Brady. But now he's been on a tear lately. Him and Tom Brady have great chemistry. He's been catching a ton of touchdowns. He torched the Washington football team. I think that would be the way that the Buccaneers would have to win. Antonio Brown would have to have an amazing day. The O-line would have to hold up. Their pass rush would have to really mess with Drew Brees. And yeah, that's that's the way I would see the Buccaneers winning. Again, I'm going with the Saints. I just think the Buccaneers' way of needing to win is more particular than the Saints because it's going to be dependent on Antonio Brown really from the offensive side being the X factor. And again, I could be wrong on any and all of these. Some of these games that I've won team winning, the other could. Some of them where I have it close could be a blowout. Some of the reasons that I had for the teams or against the teams could be end up what benefits them or hurts them. This is just what I think from my knowledge about each of these teams in football. And so, yeah, that's going to wrap up today's episode. Please feel free to spread the podcast around, give it a view, um, tell your friends about it. I really appreciate it. I really want to make it grow. 
Uh, my last episode, it, obviously I could still get more views, but I believe it was in the 60s, which was my second highest episode since the very first episode I make. So I really appreciate the support. Please leave feedback. Uh, I really appreciate it because I know, again, I'm not a master at this by any means. I want to keep improving. Um, if you have any sort of suggestions for content you want me to talk about in the future, like for specific teams or sports, please let me know about that as well. And yeah, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Freeman Sports Pod, episode nine. Uh, thank you guys so much. And the next episode I will be making will be after the divisional round games end. Thank you.